today we're going to be talking about running to finish well. Running to finish well. I was talking, I wasn't talking, I was listening uh, to a podcast this week with C.T. Townsend. Uh, and in that podcast, they asked C.T. Uh, all the things that he's been able to do, all the evangelism that he's done, and now he's a pastor of a church. And uh, they were asking him about all the ups and the downs and the downs and arounds and all those things. And they, he, they, they asked him a question. What can people pray for you for? Uh, and he said something that really stood out to me. He didn't say, um, pray for me to be able to uh, talk to more people or uh, don't, uh, don't, pray for me to be able to reach more and more. No, he didn't say that. You know what he said? He said, pray for me that I, God continues to give me a soft heart towards the things of God. And I said, how true is that? Because when our heart is right with God, everything else falls into place. But so often it is our hearts that grow hard. Our hearts no longer recognize where God used to reach down into our life, where he used to convict us, where he, uh, we used to be so tender-hearted. And no longer does our heart long for the things of God anymore. Guys, that's a dangerous place to be. And I'm praying that today that that starts with me right here, but also each and every single one of you, because we're about to take the Lord's Supper in a little while, and there's no better time to be in prayer that God starts to tenderize our hearts again, where we can feel Him, where we can feel His presence, and we can feel what He wants for each and every single one of us. Amen? But today we're going to be talking about running to finish well, and we're going to be talking about a race Today, all Christians are running a race, and it doesn't matter if you beat the person beside you. But what matters is the quality in which you run. The quality in which you run. Uh, guys, I don't, I'm not a runner. Uh, if anybody knows that, I am not a runner. I know you say, well, Brandon, with a body built that way, we thought you were built for speed. <laughs> I am not built for speed. I am built for slow and steady. I don't even know if I'm slow and steady. I'm just slow. Amen. <laughs> Uh, we were playing kickball the other day, and I believe it was Jeremiah kicked a big, long ball, and I was on first base, and he was shoving me from first base all the way to home, and I'm like, get back. You're going to make me fall. He was right on my heels, and I'm not a runner. I cannot run. I am slow as molasses. I'm just going to tell you that's the truth. I've always been that way. I've never liked running, even when I was a little bitty kid, and I was, I mean, I was a little bitty thin kid back then, but I still couldn't run. My legs just would not go the way I wanted them to. The teachers would always go field day, and I would think of field day, and I hated it. They'd say, we're going to do the 100-meter dash, and I'm like, I'm not the kid that wants to run the 100-meter dash. Let me throw something. Let me do something like that, but I do not want to run. And I remember that when the kids would all take off, and it got discouraging because I would sit there, and I'm like, okay, well, maybe I'm a little faster this year than I was last year. And the teacher would say, on your mark, get set, go. And I would take off, and I'd watch every kid blow by me. I'd watch every kid. Man, they were just running right beside me, and I'm like, well, there they go. And I believe there was even one time a kid in a cast run right by me. And I said, man, I'm not a runner, and it's discouraging. And uh, it ain't much different now when we do Sherry's Run. I mean, my goodness, Sherry's Run. I watch all those people blast off at the beginning. And I'm like, and here I am. I'm the walker, you know. I'm walking along. <laughs> and I'm back there with my crew. And I get to that, that, that halfway point, And I'm going to be honest with you, that halfway point, I've stopped at least twice. And I never finished the race. 
or this last year, you know, I was like, I'm going to finish this year and I'm going to go all the way. It gets discouraging when you've only felt like you went 100 yards and people are already coming back to the finish line. And I said, my goodness, I'm slow. And so, but guys, that is the race that, that Paul's talking about, though. He's talking about running a race, but he's talking about a spiritual race. And what matters is the quality in which you run, not where you finish. Paul, like last week, we talked about how Paul, uh, if anybody could have gotten to heaven on his own merit, it would have been Paul, right? Uh, Paul was a great worker. I mean, he was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was all of these things. And if anybody could have boasted in his religion, it would have been Paul. Well, fast forward, if anybody could have rested in his Christianity, it would have been Paul. Paul, my goodness, what he's done for the Lord. I mean, the preachers that have come out because of Paul. The reason most, the biggest reason why we probably have the gospel in America is because of faithfulness of Paul. I mean, think of all the things that he did. Think about the miracles that he did, the churches that were planted, the preachers that were called, all the things that Paul was able to do. If anybody could have rested in his Christianity and put his arms up and said that I'm ready to retire, I will be in heaven soon enough, it would have been Paul. But Paul said, no, I am going to strive forth for God. I am not going to settle for anything less than the best. And I am going to strive to draw closer to Jesus every day because I want to finish well. Philippians 3, look over in Philippians 3, starting in verse 12. Philippians 3, starting in verse 12. It says, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded, and if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, again, thank you for your blessings that you give us. Thank you for this time of fellowship. Lord, thank you for this time uh, to stand and preach your word. Lord, I pray, God, that you speak to a heart today. Lord, I pray that our hearts are tender. Lord, I pray, God, that we have a heart that longs for you. And, Lord, I pray that each and every single one of us want to draw closer to you uh, today than we were yesterday. Lord, every single day, Lord, I want to know more about you. Every single day, I want to be closer to you. And, Lord, don't let us settle in, but, Lord, let us go forward. In Jesus' name, amen. So in Philippians 3.12, Paul says, I am satisfied with Jesus... Of course, we're supposed to be satisfied with Christ because Jesus has saved us. He is all of our satisfaction. But he says, I am not satisfied with my walk. Why? Why am I not satisfied with my walk? He says in verse 12, because Jesus has made me his own. Because Jesus has made me his own. Guys, why should we never be satisfied in our walk with Jesus? Because Jesus has made us his own. We don't belong to ourselves. We were bought with a price. 
and we belong to Jesus, not ourselves. We belong to Christ and which saved us. Therefore, we should strive to be our best for him. We should not strive to be second best. We should strive to be our absolute best that God wants from us. But why? Because Jesus has made him, I, Jesus has made me his own. Paul wanted to strive for Christ. And whatsoever you do, in Colossians 3, it says, And whatsoever you do, do it heartedly as to the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. Paul wanted to go into heaven, not limping, but he wanted to hear, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. But many Christians believe that it doesn't matter how I run as long as I have Jesus. My friend, I'm gonna, if you don't get anything else out of this, and I hope you understand, it matters how you run. We have fallen into a place where we think, as long as I get a little cabin in heaven, I'm going to be just fine. My friend, that is not the attitude in which we should have. We should want to have the all the awards that we can possibly get because there's going to be a day that we get to throw them back at Jesus' feet. And I want to be able to get an, a reward to give back to Christ. The Bible is clear, though, guys, that it matters. And you know why it matters? Because in 1 Corinthians, starting in verse 11, look over there. 1 Corinthians, starting in verse uh, 3, starting in verse 11. It says, for other foundation, for other foundation can no man lay than that this is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And if any man's work abide which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so by fire. Guys, I want us to understand today that I believe a lot of Christians don't believe that we're ever going to stand accountable for what we've done. We're saved by the blood, amen? I'm under no condemnation anymore because of what Jesus has done for me. But the Bible says that there will be a day, though, that Christians will stand before God. And in that day, the Bible calls it the judgment seat of Christ. And in that moment, we will stand like a runner. We will stand like a track star. And we will stand whether we are going to be awarded or not. And the Bible says that some have built their life on precious stones and some have built their life on gold, but others have built their life on stubble and, 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 and brick and all these things other than what God has wanted us to build on. And guys, in that moment, the Bible says the gold and the silver and the precious stones, which are dug for, by the way, you have to dig for what is precious. You have to work hard for what is precious. You've got to seek after what is precious. And if you want to be made out of the good stuff, guess what, my friend? Works don't save you, but it does. God does require work from us to perfect our faith. And guys, I'm, I'm saved by grace, but God expects us to work for him and to do as he's called us to do. But in verse 12, it says gold, silver, and precious stones, which are dug for versus wood, hay, and stubble, which are just laying around. I don't want to be a Christian that is just laying around. Do you? 
I don't want to be a Christian that just goes along to get along. I want to be a Christian that does not limp into heaven, but strives into heaven because I know that I serve my Jesus the way that he wanted me to. Amen? That I was obedient to his commands, that I was obedient to his word, not because my tail is on fire, barely getting in. Amen or on me. But in verse 13, it says, All will stand to give account of what if we were faithful servants. This judgment is not for salvation, guys. This judgment is for servants of Christ, of whether we will be able to hand anything right back over to the feet of Jesus or not. And how in the world can a so-called believer say that they consciously do not care if they earn an award for Christ. Jesus is my Savior. He is my all in all. He is all that I have. He is all that I need. He is all that I've given my life to. We, I tell it all the time. I've gone, Lord, I'll go, I'll be, I'll say, Lord, you are my all, you are my king, you are my Lord. But then, Lord, I am perfectly fine Never working for you. And I don't care as long as you give me heaven. I don't care if I work for you one bit while I'm here. Guys, there'll be a day where we regret that. There's going to be a day where I believe all that we did will come to the forefront. And all the things that we thought we did for Christ will then be shown for the whole world to see. And in that moment, guys... God is going to show where our hearts were this entire time. And we're going to see what people were built on gold and rubies and good stuff. Or we're going to see if we were built on stubble and all the things that the world would offer. But I love what it says, guys, in verse 13 of Corinthians. It says, what sort? What sort? What does that mean? I love what that means because we are going to be judged on what sort we were. What does that mean? It doesn't mean how big you did for Jesus. Are y'all with me? It doesn't mean how extravagant you were for Christ. It doesn't mean how big our ministries were. It doesn't mean how many, all the great, wonderful things I did or the extravagance. It doesn't mean how much I will be praised. What we will stand on and what matters is when God sorts it all out, I'm going to tell you what, my friends, we can do every single bit of this and it can look amazing and it can look great and our hearts were never in the right place in the first place. God says the sort in which he cares about is the heart. There's a lot of ministries that look amazing from the outside, but the inside, the heart is not where it should be. God cares so much more about the heart of a man than what he claims to be from the outside. Now, guys, we can do all these things. I tell the youth this all the time. When I first got here especially, man, it's like we can go to Arise here in a few weeks. We can show up in a bus. We can show up, get off the bus with all our kids, and we can have all the stuff in the world, and we can look the part, we can act the part. We can seem like, man, look at that big old church right there. And there can be a bunch of little country churches all sitting around with four or five kids. And it's easy to start thinking, man, look at us. 
Look what we're doing. We got a charter bus. We rented it out. We got the hotels. We got everything that we can possibly want. While that little church sits over there with absolutely nothing, and we kind of start to think that, man, God's blessing must be on this place. And the whole time, if the truth was told, those people in that don't have nothing, more than likely their hearts are so much better than ours is. And God don't care the size of our bus. He don't care the size of this youth ministry. He don't care about the size of this church. What he cares about is the hearts of the people within the church. Amen or on me. It doesn't matter how big. It doesn't matter how extravagant. What matters is and what will stand is if we were willing, is if we were glad, is if we had the heart, and if we were privileged and thankful to be able to serve Jesus. The rewards will be given back to him in that moment. Many will say, I'll be fine with no reward as long as at least as I get to heaven. But how can we claim Jesus as Lord and not want to grow closer to him? The first thing we must do is we're going to look in Philippians 3, and Paul says, I want to run my race. And the first thing we must do is we must stop looking back, then we must stay looking forward, and then we must stay determined. Look over in Philippians 3, verse 13. The first thing that we must do, guys, if we are going to run this race well, is that we have got to stop looking backwards. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before. Paul could have failed looking back, couldn't he have? But also Paul could have failed looking back because of his failure, but Paul could have failed looking back at his success. And I'm going to tell you something. There's two things that are plaguing us today is that often we are looking back at our failures or we're looking back at our past successes. The problem is they're both in the past. There's a lot of things that you can learn from the past, but you can't go back. And it is easy to want to live there, good or bad. The past failures, the memories that haunt us, the past sins that once plagued us, the past hurt in which we have had. But guys, I want you to understand that's what we were. Often we can be dictated by the past. Guys, let me tell you something. I have heard the word church hurt so many times, and I'm not making an excuse for church hurt. It's bad. Everybody in this room can say, I've been church hurt. Everybody in here could say, that's me, that's me, that's me. Let me tell you something. Last I heard and last I saw, Christians are people. And last I heard, people are people. People sin, people struggle, people do stupid. And I'm going to be honest with you, there's been a time in my life where I have been hurt, and there's been a time probably where I have hurt. But let me tell you something. We can live in the past... Always saying, well, God, I would have served, but I've been church hurt. Last I saw, Jesus is perfect. Last I saw, Jesus was holy. Last I saw, Jesus was righteous. 
and we can use the excuse of other people not letting us serve him or we can see God for who he is and that he is perfect and he is holy and that he is righteous and he deserves our worship whether people are in the way or not. We cannot go forward looking back at everything that has ever happened to us or we will be here all day, all day long, forever talking about all the bad. But my goodness, my friend, look at all the good. And every single one of us have been in that spot. We've all been in the good and we've all been in the bad. But Jesus deserves our worship. And he deserves us to be working for him, not for people. We don't do what we do for people. We do what we do for God. That's the biggest confusion in which we have. We think everything we do is for people. People will let you down. People aren't going to give you encouragement. People are not always going to lift you up. Sometimes they do, but sometimes they don't. My joy cannot be found in people. I do what I do because Jesus has saved me and he has made me his own. That's why we must go forward and not be dictated about what is in the back. But often we can be dictated by the past or we can let God teach us and use our past to propel us. Amen? We must be propelled. We are not called to forget, but we are called to not be affected by it no more. And there's some times and there's some people here today, man, we need to shake it off and move on. We need to shake it off and move forward. And we need to say, God, teach us from what was in the past, but Lord, let it propel us for what is going forward. Amen? But then we also fail because of our past successes. Guys, it is not about how we start. It is how we finish. And you might be somebody here today that started amazing, but you have fallen off the wagon by now. It's how you finish, not how you start. You might be somebody today that has absolutely failed miserably. Let me tell you something, my friend. It's how you finish. It ain't how you start. Today is a new day. But so many times we grow comfortable. We expect blessings without works, without working. We can't live off the past or we fail in the present. Guys, I have a book in my office. It was written over 100 years ago from the Wilson County Baptist. And this Wilson County Baptist, it was written in 1900. So it's an old book. It's decrepit looking. And I got it in a case in my office. And in this book, this man wrote the history of every single Wilson County church that was either built in 1900 or before. So this history goes way back, further than me and you can even go back. And you can look at the very beginning of most churches in our area of where they started, where they came from, who was their mother church, and what they were doing. And guys, I'm appalled to say most of those churches are no longer in existence. On every corner, there used to be a church. On every corner, man, there used to be a little community church here and a community church there. And over time, they've all shut their doors. And then you start to look at the other churches that are still in existence. I always go back to mine, and I went back to where I went to church, and I've I seen all these older churches that were over 100 years old. And you were able to see the history of these churches, and almost every single one of them talked about revivals coming through the churches. Almost every single one of them, for the, it was a little bitty church on a country road or a big church, it didn't matter. God was moving amongst those people. You started to hear stories about 20 people being saved at a revival service. 
You heard about people fighting for what they believed. It's all in the history. What happens? I think so many times we rest on our past success. When I used to be a delivery driver, I would deliver at a place in Nashville. And this lady, I would talk to her about her church. And I'm not going to name the name of the church. I'm not trying to dog anybody. I'm just saying this is the facts. She said, our church, I've been there 30 years. And our church in the 80s was running over 1,200 people a week. And she said, Brandon, you would have never believed how good that church was. She said, people were getting baptized. People were getting saved. Preachers were coming out of this place. We were blowing and going. And she said, Brandon, I am sad to tell you today, we have 30 people in our church. And she said, not only do we have 30, we can no longer pay for the building, all the utilities that are in the building because we don't have the money to pay for it. And now we have sold our church to another church that's going to come in and help us. I like that the other church is coming in to help us. But the point is, you think that can't be us? It can be us. It can be Hillcrest Baptist Church. It can be this place. You say, well, Brandon, no, it won't. The pews will always be full. Not necessarily. Not when the people grow comfortable. Not when the people don't continue to go forward. You know how many stories I have talked about since I've been at this church about this sanctuary? I love church history. I love hearing stories about God moving. I love it. And I've had so many people tell me about the men and women that came before us right here that had a vision for this. Guys, do we have a vision? Do we have a vision for what God wants from us going forward? Or are we going to settle for what God has already done and live off the past instead of saying, God, I want to give my future something to take on? I don't know about you. I want to be able, when I'm running my race, whether I'm the youth pastor for 10 years or 20 years or one more year, it don't matter. What I want is to be able to lay off that next, to that next man something good. Amen? I want to be able to hand it off and him be able to keep running. Amen? Well, that should be our goal in this church, that we are living for Christ, that we are going forward. Whether we're going to be here forever or not, we are handing it over in a good way where somebody else can grab it and run on the race for Jesus. Amen? But so many times we build things around ourselves. We make it about us. But guys, we're going to be gone one day. I want to be faithful that they said those people were right with God, those people were seeking God, and those people were doing what God had called them to do. But the church history book so many times tells us something different. But guys, we must always be presently seeking God's will, prayed up, relying on Jesus, but also working. Two, we must stay looking forward in verse 13. It says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before. Guys, what is Paul reaching forth to? He was saying, I'm reaching forth to the things of God. There comes a time where we must look past the comfort and ease. We must look past the pleasure and plenty. We must look past possessions and recognition. 
And we must look past worldly indulgence. And we must look to the incorruptible and the eternal. We must look to God's presence and power. We must look to his righteousness and his purity. We must look to worshiping and serving God. And look at only Jesus at the finish line. God is not calling us to look side by side. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of folks in church that are looking every which way but on the finish line. We want to look over and see how this ministry is doing, and we want to compare ourselves to them. We want to look over in this church over here, and we want to say, God, look what they're doing instead of looking at what God wants from us. Amen. We want to start looking at this preacher, and we want to say, God, you're using him. Why don't you use me? We need to quit looking at each other, and we need to be looking at the finish line, what God wants for us. Amen. So many times we are looking every which way than what we need to be. Not on those who look ahead. Guys, there's always going to be people that look like they're running the race better. Don't focus on them. Don't look at those who seem that you're in front of. There's always people that are dragging up the rear. Don't be looking at them either. Only be looking at Christ. Only be looking at the finish line. Churches need to stop comparing churches. Ministries need to stop comparing ministries. Preachers need to stop comparing preachers. People need to stop comparing people. Just be faithful and do what God wants you to do. That's it. Be obedient to what God wants you to do, and he will work out the rest. Amen? The Bible says if we are faithful with little, he will trust us with more. And I believe that wholeheartedly. When we are faithful with little, he will trust us with more. But so many times we want more before we're faithful with little. But just be faithful and keep on running. And I'm going to ask you again today, why are you serving Jesus? Why are you serving Jesus today? I'm going to tell you, my friend, it's got to be because you love him. If you're serving Jesus for any other reason besides that you love him, you're serving for all the wrong reasons. And I want you to look at yourself today. Brandon, why am I serving Jesus? I think all of us would say, yeah, it's because I love Jesus. Let's be honest. I've fallen into this too. Often it's because we feel bad. If I don't serve Jesus, I feel bad. Not because of Jesus, but because of what people are going to say about me. If I'm not there to serve, what are people going to start doing? They're going to start talking. They're going to start saying, oh, so-and-so wasn't there, so-and-so wasn't there, so-and-so wasn't there. And we feel obligated to be working for Jesus. What about obligation? What about recognition? Is that why we serve him? What about because of habit? Because we've been born and raised in church. And this is what we've always done. So we make God into a habit. And then what will people think if I don't? How many times do we serve God, not with the heart in which we should, but we serve Him motivated by all the wrong reasons? Because what are people going to say about me if I don't? They're going to talk bad about me, and i got to go. But guys, I want you to understand, if God is not the forefront of what you do, you're going to be miserable. You're going to find yourself in a spot where you're just like, man, I don't have any joy in serving. I don't have any joy in what I'm doing. I'm defeated. I feel discouraged. I feel anger, and I feel frustration. 
Now, who in here would witness that we've all been there in that moment, in that time, time to time? We have. Where we take our eyes off the prize of why we're doing what we do. We do it all for Christ and none for anything else. It has all to do with Him. And God says, I want quality better than quantity. Guys, do y'all remember the story of the widow's mite? Do you remember the lady, that the widow that came and all those people were dragging the money? They would dump it into the, the plate and it, you could hear it ringing. You could hear all the change falling out. You could see it everywhere. And all those men would say, look at me and how much I'm giving to God. And then here comes that little widow. She pulls out two mites that don't even come up to a penny. And she places it in the plate with nobody looking and nobody watching. She didn't know Jesus was watching her. Jesus is watching everything that we're doing. Jesus sees you, my friend. Whether the world sees you or not, whether people recognize you or not, whether you, 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 people get frustrated you or not, Jesus is watching. And Jesus knows our hearts. And he sees that widow place that in. And what does he tell his men? He says, she gave more. She gave all that she had while all these men who looked like they were giving everything were really giving nothing. Guys, quality is better than quantity. You're going to be, you're going to be awarded because you served with a heart on Jesus, not because you had to do it. Guys, nobody in here has to serve. Nobody in here has to be here. Nobody has to do anything. You get to. You get to serve. You get to serve a Jesus who died for you. You get to serve a Jesus who bled for you. You get to serve Jesus who gave you a hope and a meaning for life. You get to. And my friends, stop looking at all the people and look at Jesus and why you're doing what you're doing. Often we are discontent with all the wrong things. But guys, we must look at where our hearts are. When we see Jesus, all will become clear. Some who looked like they were giving a lot, their heart wasn't right. And some who didn't were faithfully giving what they had to Jesus. Often we are discontent with all the wrong things. I'm going to ask you, are you discontent today? And you say, Brandon, I would never be discontent. How many of us have had conversations with our spouse and we say, man, I just wish I had a better house. I just wish I had a better home. I just wish that, man, I could have a yard like they got. I wish I had a car like they had. I work just as hard as they do. Why can't I have that? We've been there. How many times are we discontent with our job? Now, I've been discontent with my job a lot of times back, back in the day. I love my job now. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but back in the day, I, I was pretty, I, I was discontent. I was one of the world's worst about buddying up with my buddies at work and talking about how we could do it better and we could do this and they don't pay us enough and all these things. That was me. I was discontent. I'd go home and I'd whine and I'd cry to Gina. There's got to be more than I need to be doing in my life than this. 
and I was discontent. So many times we're discontent with our money. Lord, if I could have more money, I would have all my answers taken care of. Often we are discontent with church. I can do it better. Man, church, if it would, we would just do this or we would just do that, if we would just have this program, if we would just do that, then I would get involved, then I would do, then I would be what God wants me to be. If you can just line it up the way that I want it to, I would quit being discontent. And then so many times we're discontent with life. We don't like our life. We forget how God, how God has blessed us. Guys, so many times we let our life be dictated by less than 20% of the bad going on. When 80% to 90% of our life is going just right. And we've been blessed beyond measure, but yet we focus on just that little bit of bad that's going on instead of all the good that God's given us. But the one thing that we are often fine with, that I never hear of anybody discontent with, is their walk with Jesus. Amen or on me. We complain, we gripe, we whine, we do all the things, and we're discontent. I've been there. But how many times, my friend, do we see that person come up to you and they just say, pray with me because my life ain't where it needs to be with Jesus? I'm just not running my race the way that I wanted to run. I don't know Christ the way I want to know him. I'm not getting used by the way that I want to be used by him. I love my Jesus and I just want to know more about him. But often we're discontent with everything else. But the one thing that dictates everything, we say we're, not dis- we're, we're, we're perfectly fine with. Guys, there's one thing that we are often fine, and that is with our walk with Jesus. But guys, I want you to understand something right here, right now. When we are discontent in our life, when we are discontent in our church, when we are discontent with our money, when we are discontent with our jobs, when we are discontent with our homes, there's only one thing that bragging satisfaction to all of those. Y'all missed it. When we are discontent, with all the things that this life may offer, there is only one place that brings contentment to all of those things. And that is when our relationship is right with Jesus. When we are right with Christ, everything else starts to fall into place. All of a sudden, our homes are maybe where they need to be and we can sit there and say, God, thank you for the home that you've given me. Lord, I'm right with you, and all of a sudden the job in which you've given me the ability to work day after day that I'm getting to provide for my family is not a waste, but it is a calling in which way you got God, you got got me right here, right now in this place. The money in which I have, I've never went hungry. I got all that I possibly need, and just because I compare myself to everybody else doesn't mean that I'm starving. We got all that one which we need. God provides what we need. And oftentimes we want more, but we don't need more. We wouldn't know what to do with it if we had it. And then church, all of a sudden, guys, when we're content with Christ and what he's got for us, all of a sudden you start to look at people not in a criticizing way, but you start to appreciate them for what they bring. 
I've learned that with my youth. I've learned that with being able to start to lead our folks and our, our people. I've never been much of a, I, before I came to Hillcrest, I never really was in front of a lot of people where people were looking to me to be a leader. And guys, during these, these two and a half years in which I've been here, I've learned a lot. When I first got here, man, I frustrated everybody to death. Man, Brandon's not what I want him to be, or Brandon's not organized, or Brandon's not this, or Brandon's not that. I get it. I'm not. <laughs> but what I realized that, man, I would start to look at people, and I would start to say, you know, but you're not that great at this, but you're really good at this. You might not be able to do this, but you can really do this. And there's things that I offer that nobody else can, but there's also things that people offer that I can't. And guys, when we're right with Jesus, we'll start to see what other people can offer that we need one another. Because I'm telling you, my friend, if every single one of you were like me, this place would fall apart. If I didn't have people like Brother David, if I didn't have people like Brother Troy, if I didn't have my youth leaders, if I didn't have what I have around me, you wouldn't see me the same. You would say, Brandon is an unorganized mess. I can't tell you how many times I went to Troy's office stressing about something. That's what I am. But let me tell you something. God uses me. And God's got things in my life that he's blessed me with. He's given me gifts that are only mine. And we need to start looking at each other as, as well. God sees one another instead of what we think of one another. Amen? Because together we can do so much more than apart. Let us run the race. And we're getting close to finishing. And then three, we must stay determined in verse 15. It says, let us therefore, as many as, many as be perfect, be thus minded. If anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Guys, in verse 6 of Philippians 3, Paul's talking about as he was uh, going after the Christians, he was had a mind of following after the Christians before he was saved. He was following after. He was pressing on. He was trying to find them any which way he could. If he heard of a Christian hiding out, he was going after them. And he's saying now that that mind that I had in which I was trying to kill Christians is now the mind in which I have when I'm trying to seek out Jesus. The same as Paul before Christ. Paul had a zeal to kill Christians he wanted to hunt. He wanted to seek them. He was hunting them out. But now he had a zeal to draw close to Jesus. What a difference Jesus makes. And I want you to ask today, can you see Paul? Can you see him running with all that he has? Can you see him straining towards the finish line? Can you see him breathing heavy? Can you see him leaving it all on the track? Can you see him striving towards the high calling of Jesus? And what is God getting from us today? Is God only getting half effort? Is your heart right? Are you running everywhere but to Christ? What things are causing you to take your focus off of Christ? And when have we went to God saying, Lord, help me. Let me run towards you. Whatever God's calling you guys to do, we're about to go into our time of reflection, our, our time of our Lord's Supper. There's no better time to say, God, Help me run towards you. I've been doing a lot of running, but it ain't been towards you. I've been doing a lot of serving without you being at the forefront. 
I've been doing a lot thinking that, man, I, Lord, I'm giving you all that I can, but my heart has not been in the right place. Guys, let us set our hearts where it needs to be. That all that we do is for him. You know that everything you do here is never to please whoever's in this pulpit either. You don't do what you do to please David. You don't do what you do to please Troy. And you don't do what you do to please me. It don't matter about us. We're just men. We're called to give you the word of God. But guys, who we are called to obey is Jesus. And I'm praying here today that our church gets a refocusing on why we do what we do. That we don't do anything else other but for Christ. And then when you find yourself serving and you find yourself with the children, you find yourself in security, you find yourself helping a vacation Bible school, you find yourself with the babies and nobody knows you're up there, you find yourself wherever it is in this church serving faithfully. And in that moment, man, you say, well, people don't even know what I'm doing. They don't know that I'm doing this. My friend, that's okay. God does. And all that you do is for Jesus. And one of these days, when we stand before him, I don't know about you, but I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. I don't want to get to heaven with my pants burning. I don't want to get to heaven limping. I want to get to heaven striding in to see my Jesus. What about you? And whatever God's calling you to do today, I ask you to come. I ask you to say, Lord, tenderize my heart. Lord, speak to me. Lord, do as you will with me. And Lord, give me the faith to move on which what you have told me to do. You might need to join our church. Don't wait. Come on. If you know this is where God wants you to be, we'd love to have you. You say, well, Brandon, I, I need to be saved. My friend, don't wait another day. Don't sit there in your pride. Don't sit there any which way. Don't you just surrender to Christ. And you get up out of your seat, and the moment that you leave this much trusting in only Jesus, he'll do the rest. Trusting only Christ to save you. And then maybe you're defeated. Maybe you're not running the race in which you want to run anymore. Maybe you started well and you're not finishing well. My friend, there's an altar. And it is a place in which we can go anytime to say, God, pick me up, straighten me out. And Lord, give me the strength to keep running for you. Amen. And whatever God's calling you to do, I challenge you to come. Let's stand and let's worship.